Along with Bill Hayes, I'm Don Landry. Welcome to The Gist of It. This week, is Facebook just so over, or does it need a really good poke? Penn State of Shock. How many showers do we need to wash this stuff off? You know what? Just give me the Meryl Streep Silkwood treatment on this one. You youngsters, Google it. Look that up. Then <laughs> that joke will make some kind a lot of more sense. sense. Keeping Toronto occupied. Maybe this should be a traveling show, folks. More bizarro campaign moments from Herman Kane. Did this guy play the scarecrow in The Wizard of Oz? Run the goalie. The NHL fails miserably in protecting its most important players. Bill, the woman who claimed Justin Bieber was her newborn's father, has dropped her suit against the Biebs. Shocking. Damn it. I was so looking forward to a special all-singing and dancing paternity test episode of The Maury Povich Show. Politics, sports, entertainment, pop culture. It's all fair game here. Somewhere in the city of Toronto, two brains are about to collide. What will remain is the gist of it. Here now are Bill Hayes and Don Landry. Don, like pretty much everyone, I've been watching what's been happening at Penn State. You know, there are so many things to read about, to learn from. Do we put too much emphasis on sports in our society? Are we doing enough to protect the innocents in our society, the kids? Do we have to discuss these issues more, even if the very thought of it is distressing? And frankly, I think that's one of the reasons we don't discuss it, because it's icky. It's not something polite people want to discuss. And another thing we have to think about is our proclivity to immediately jump to conclusions regardless of what really happened. An example here is Penn State assistant coach Mike McQuarrie, the man who said he saw Jerry Sandusky raping a child in the showers. Now, this happened in 2002, and at the time, he was a graduate assistant, which is really low man on the totem pole. And he saw Sandusky, who was, you know, next to Joe Paterno, a god on the campus. The grand jury report seemed to indicate that McQuarrie did nothing but slink away, then call his daddy and report the incident to head coach Joe Paterno the next day. And as you can imagine, he has been vilified for that. Everybody and his uncle saying, I could have done more. How could he not have done more? How could he not have stepped in? He's a kid, this, that, and, and we immediately jumped to that conclusion. Well, McQuarrie says he did stop the incident and that he did talk to police. Look, I don't know what happened, but I do think if he did as he says he did, he shouldn't be taking quite the heat the way he is. Yeah, you can question why he didn't do anything in the ensuing nine years, but he stepped up and did what he should have done. Did he beat the guy up? No, but he stopped the incident and he reported it to police, and he shouldn't be getting hammered for doing that. I wonder about you know all this righteous indignation over him not going in and, and pounding Sandusky or whoever that was. I mean, again, it's it's one of those tricky minefields where there are allegations and you really shouldn't say Sandusky was in the shower. Right, but right. There is a lot of righteous indignation over this. And um, I, I'd like to believe that I, I would have done what most of us believe is the right thing, and that is go in there and start pounding away on the guy who was doing that kind right. of thing. Like mm -hmm. really force, it would make you very angry. But I, I'm not quite sure what would be a reaction of a normal human being walking around a corner and seeing something that you can't really expect, wouldn't expect, can't, can't compute in your head right yeah. away. Would you? I'm not sure. I mean, I hope I would do exactly the right thing. But, I mean, this is, again, another part of this story as it unfolds that just goes to show that there's just too much in this blender right now. And it, we just hit puree. 
And we don't know what we've got until we pour it out at the end of it, right? Because more ingredients are being added. Some will have to be taken out. We just don't know exactly what the truth is. How much should a guy like McQuarrie be vilified, if at all? Or is he heroic in some ways? How much did Paterno know? I think we're getting a fairly clear indication on that. But there, there might be much more to this iceberg. We might just be seeing... What's above the surface? Oh, I, or I slightly below. I absolutely believe we'll be seeing a lot more, and then that we'll also probably never know what really happened, but we'll get a much better feel for it, as yeah. it were. But the concern I have is what you were saying. We immediately jump to conclusions and we react in a in a visceral way, right? Uh, which is going to be really hard for this guy to overcome if, in fact, he did the right thing. Yeah. Now, interesting to note. I mean, I had a conversation with a Penn State. Uh, alumnus who played for the Argos, very good player for the Argos by the name of Reggie Givens, and he was a linebacker. Guess what? Came out of linebacker U. Jerry Sandusky. Jerry Sandusky. He expressed, by the way, you can read that, if you're listening to this podcast on DonLandry.com, there's a link to that that blog on this page. He showed a lot of frustration uh, just over the way Joe Paterno was fired. At first said he didn't think Joe Paterno should be fired. Quickly said, well, I I just don't think he should have been fired that way. And part of his reaction was this, we don't have all the answers. I'm not saying Mm -hmm. Joe Pa didn't deserve to be fired. Not saying Sandusky didn't do this stuff, but we, we, why can't we just wait until we get all of the information and and, and get it settled? And then we make our, our comments And in a more perfect world. That would be the way it goes, but there's, there's no way well, we're going to get that. It, it, the only difference, don't you think, Bill, between this case now and this case 30 years ago is that all of the, he's guilty, he's a this, this guy should have done that, would have been done in donut shops and around water coolers right. and wouldn't have had this grass fire aspect to it of, of the electronic media that's that's at our disposal. Now. We, we get inundated with opinion, with discussion about every aspect of this thing. And a great example is a baseball writer uh, named Joe Poznanski, who's in the midst of writing a book about Paterno. And he came out with what I thought was a really thoughtful column, suggesting that he's kind of torn, because he's seen all the stuff that this guy's done for 46 years. The guy was, he, he was above reproach, or at least so we all thought. He made a mistake, and I think Poznanski, as he seemed to indicate, was struggling with that, but he understood the, the mistake and the ramifications, and he was okay with that. But his concern was the way, again, Paterno's been vilified throughout this probably isn't right, because in a 46 or more years career, this may be the only thing he did wrong. Now, Might be. It's wrong. It, there's no, no one can take that away. But... You can't forget the good stuff this guy did, too. And he did a lot of it. Well, But it will be immediately forgotten for now. But it, it will come back. At some point. That's, that's what time does, right? People can come back. I, I still firmly believe Tiger Woods is coming maybe all the way back. Mm-hmm. Because at some point, the anger towards uh, someone like Tiger Woods or Joe Paterno turns into, okay, I've had enough of the anger and the story kind of goes away, but still some people won't let it go. And then those people start to get turned on. Hey, that's just enough. Okay. The guy's paid enough and hey, everyone should get a second chance. And then eventually you start to talk about the big picture, not just the current chapter that you you just read, right? The sad fact is. Mixed my metaphors there, Bill. Sorry. That's okay. It's allowed. Chapter, picture. I do it all I read time. a lot of picture books is what I'm saying. <laughs> I think you've written some. I don't even read you know, a lot of picture books. Here's the thing. The man is 84 years old. 
God forbid, he won't be with us too much longer. That, his funeral, and the, the obituaries that come out around that time will be when that healing process starts. This is The Gist of It with Landry and Hayes. I understand Gordon Lightfoot visited the Occupy Toronto campsite yesterday. You know what? We are just an Ian and a Sylvia away from this turning into a full-on <laughs> Mariposa folk festival. We talked this over a few podcasts ago. I'm not completely insensitive to the thrust or really the thrusts of the protesters' messages. I'm just trying to sex up this moment. Sure, yeah. Why, why not? saying the word thrust, Bill. Uh, somewhere in there are some good points. You just have to negotiate your way through the maze of tents and ultimate Frisbee games to get to them. But I think time's up. And it's for the good of the messages the protesters are championing as well, not just the park and the neighborhood. This starts to become a story about people squatting in a park, bothering merchants, annoying the locals. And that will overcome any positive messages and sympathies that many observers have, I think. Then after that, it just becomes a bit of a bore to many, and the messages get completely lost or worse, fully hijacked. The issues become less about the inequities of fiscal society and more about, give me back my damn park. So bug out, campers, and gather somewhere else for a day or a couple. Then bug out again for a little while and make your way somewhere else. Keep it up if you're really glued to your cause. I admire that. But the sense that a cluster of demonstrators will mushroom out from St. James Park and become an unstoppable grassroots movement, it's not going to happen. Not now, not in Toronto, not in Canada, because although we may be very upset about some broken socioeconomic machinery, and some of us only are slightly uncomfortable with that. Our collective discomfort with it, I think, just doesn't rise to the levels seen overseas last winter and spring. It's a romantic notion, but like many romantic notions, it's fiction, at least right now. Well, I would agree with you on that. I think there's something there, though, and I, I, I think this is very grassroots. I think this is something that if it were allowed to gestate, might it become actually a, a movement, a real movement, as opposed to whatever we could call this, within the next three or four years. Because there is some substance to what they're saying. There's no question that there is a 1% that is really taking advantage of the other 99%, and almost everyone you've seen and I've seen is part of that 99%. So, I just don't think that there's 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 much of a level of real dissatisfaction with well, that. Oh, I think it's coming. I though. think there's criticism, but I don't think, yeah. Oh, I think it's, yeah, I to think so. To what point? To the point where entire cities are, are motivated? I don't no. mean every single person in the city, but pockets all over. People are well, I, I, coming out of their mid-rise condos and saying, I agree too. If you start with the premise that this whole economic downturn we've seen since 2008 is a result of some thieves on Wall Street. That's a beginning. Nothing has happened to change that situation. These guys have so much power, so much clout, so much money, that it could happen again any day. That's got to stop. And I, I, I see there's something to that. I'm just saying that it's, it's, it's folly to completely dismiss the idea of what they're doing. Their problem is there's no oneness to it. There's no single message, nor are there any single leaders, so you can't really define it except, like you said, a hodgepodge. Down the road, that could change. And, and the other thing I think... I don't see it happening in three or four years, okay. the way you're saying it. I, you know, maybe something completely unforeseen in 10, 12, 15 years where I really can't read a roadmap or get well, a GPS like on the future. Though? But three or four... You, what can you see that in three or four years changes dramatically? Don't you believe... 
what I've said that something would have to change dramatically with the level of dissatisfaction overall in this but country. Don't you think there is a dramatically in the next three or four I, I, years? Don't well take a look at it this way. If you look at the political spectrum and where we are on it at any given time, we are probably if if the field is a hundred degrees. Okay, let's just say it's for argument's sake it goes from zero to a hundred, and for further argument's sake. 30 years ago, 40 years ago, before Ronald Reagan, as an example, uh, around the time of Jimmy Carter's election in 1976, we were at 50-50. There was a, a right and there was a left, and it was pretty even. Well, if that was 50 then, generally speaking right now, we're probably at 75 or 80. I mean, the whole world has turned right completely. I think this is part of what I believe is true of everything in society. It's cyclical. We will start seeing things go back to the left. We're already starting to see that in, in some instances, south of the border, for instance, that uh, the idea of free trade not wanted anymore. People are starting to think, hey, put up tariffs again. We want the jobs back here. That will become a political movement, and that too is part of what we're seeing out of this. Yeah, but that's not seen as socialism or, uh, or worse, communism or government interference. That's just seen as protecting America. I'm not so suggesting it, that. It, I know, you've addressed it differently, but let me get back to, to, to the point I was making, which was that's enough with the park thing, although there is an irony in this. I found it fascinating in watching coverage of it yesterday on television that one of the disgruntled neighbors really wasn't that disgruntled at all because St. James Park has a reputation for being very nasty, mm -hmm. violent, drug-infested. He mm -hmm. said, I, I have to tell you, as a person who lives around here, this is the safest this park has been in a long, long time. It's a separate issue. Obviously, uh, something needs to be done with St. James Park once they do remove mm -hmm. um, the squatters or demonstrators, if you, if you, you find that term. Would you feel a little uh, different about this if instead of staying in one park all the time, they moved every two or three weeks. Well, that's what I said. I know. I, that's what that's exactly yeah, what you were saying. Not exactly. even every two or three weeks. I think it, it, it runs its course for a number of reasons, as, as, as I mentioned. But uh, And for their own good, I think they, they have to move along, too. And, and, and parks aren't meant for people to squat there and demonstrate the, for long periods of time. We I don't have, want to accept that. The question I have then, though, is if they did move, yeah. would that take away the argument of disbanding it and just let them, be, let them go until the cows come home? I'm I'm not sure I understand your question fully what because I did I did advocate that in my monologue, which was go to that. different places, do it for a while, and keep moving and, and keep moving. So that's what you think could happen. I think that's what should happen. Okay. I, and, and now I'm not I sure that it will. That, so, I'm not okay. sure. You know, once they, you know, they will eventually lose here. I mean, it's okay. They want to fight the fight, get an injunction. They're there until Friday, or but I don't think much beyond that. But I think it's time to move on. But you know, never. I, you know what I do uh, expect to see out of this, and it's a positive is a seven- or eight-minute song from Gordon Lightfoot on his experiences at Occupy Toronto. And later that night when they lost the court fight came the end of Occupy Toronto. It's Bill Hayes and Don Landry, and you're getting the gist of it. I've got to get tickets for this. Apparently, Toronto Mayor Rob Ford is going to be appearing in the Nutcracker. Every... Every, that, that in itself, <laughs> I mean, it writes its own punchline. <laughs> that is the punchline, isn't it? <laughs> He'll be uh, what are they? A cannon doll, I guess, which yeah. disappoints me greatly because I did want him to go Chris Farley and put on a tutu and dance. I, I think he's probably got some grace. He's got some grace in there somewhere, don't you think, Bill? No, it is. <laughs> but he will just be, you know, an extra. He'll dress up as, as, as the cannon doll and stand there. 
It's and the National Ballet of Canada has has decided to tell us that it is a non-dancing role. Yeah, that was just necessary. to ensure that people are going to be buying tickets. This just pads his resume because recently, if I'm not mistaken, he had a non-speaking role on a CBC show. What was that again? This hour <laughs> is 22 minutes. <laughs> Mr. Mayor, you will be a great success in the Nutcracker. I firmly believe he'll be great as long as they don't hold the show in his drive. I, I think that with him, the Nutcrackier, because he is cracked already. <laughs> now, speaking of not dancing, uh, the Premier of Ontario, Dalton McGuinty, has decided not to dance on the national stage. He will yeah. not become the leader. He says he won't become the leader of the Liberal Party. Um, I can't say I'm overly surprised at that. You I haven't even considered it. I didn't. It didn't even well, cross he's my leader. mind. He's a leader. He's, he's got a bit, a bit of a profile. And listen, they have to do well in Ontario if they're going to do well, uh, you know, yeah. nationally. So I can, I can understand that. Do you have anyone who you look at right now and go, that guy should be the next leader? Not right now. Bob I, Ray, I, no. Um, no, I don't think it should be Bob Ray. Okay. I, I always thought it should be Frank McKenna. And, That's the and guy then he, I think of. I don't know if the they can get him out of retirement or not, but he seems to be. The right guy. He seemed to be the right guy, uh, even when they, Years they ago. went for Ignati. Yeah, so I don't know. Maybe, maybe they, what they need to do is continue rebuilding. If, if they decide, if they believe that they can build into a minority situation in the next election, which looks like a real tall order right now, then that's one kind of leader, don't you think? If it's, we're rebuilding something brand new and different, then maybe it's a Justin Trudeau or someone of that ilk I who's younger. I think it's not his turn yet. I yeah. think Justin Trudeau will eventually be the leader. I, I think it has to happen, but he's too young. He's not there yet. Yeah, you Don't know. You think? Uh, well, I th- you might be right, uh, but I, it just dawned on me now. You know whose turn it probably is. Either you or me. It can, we have to choose. I'm going to need your delegates, or you're going to need mine. I mean, we should just make the decision right now. Is it you or is it me? And then the other guy supports the other guy. Let's thumb sure, war for uh, You know what? I don't think I really want to be the leader. Of, I'll I'll be the backroom guy. You've got all my delegates. All right. Finally, uh, it won't uh, take long still to with name politics them. here. Uh, Obama's visiting Australia. Mm-hmm. They've taken out crocodile insurance. If he gets snatched by a crocodile, his oh. family gets $50,000. My question for you is, what is more likely to happen? Obama gets snatched by a crocodile while he's in Australia, or anybody in the Republican primaries beating him in a presidential race next year? Oh. Croc all the go, way. Go, oh, Croc. You got that right. Croc on both sides of the ledger. Okay, so you're a rocket scientist. That don't impress me much. This is The Gist of It. With Landry and Hayes. Now, Don, I hope you were speaking with your tongue firmly in your cheek about you or I leading the Liberal Party. Never mind about my tongue and where it is, Bill. <laughs> okay. Just never mind. But I got to tell you, that's not nearly as crazy an idea as Herman Cain as President of the United States. This is a guy who, I swear to God, is from Central Casting. And the idea is, <laughs> let's find someone huh. who is about as unqualified to be president of the United States as ever. Yeah. Okay? And the story is everything that he does that should be bad ends up being good. Like, say, four women come out of the woodwork and they talk about possibility of some kind of uh, sexual incidents or innuendos or, or situations that uh, are generally frowned upon in our society these days. But in his case, it makes him stronger because they're not true. It's the media's fault. 
He sits down in front of a uh, an editorial board. Happens all the time with with candidates for any election, actually. And the can't the, the editorial board asks questions, and then they come to their conclusions as to what they feel about these issues, and come out and write something that's uh, of interest to people in that particular city. The Milwaukee uh, the Milwaukee Sentinel Sentinel Journal or Journal Sentinel did the same thing with Mr. Kane this week. Asked him about Libya. It's been in the news. I don't think it's unusual to ask a question like that. A minute and four seconds it took him yeah. to answer the question. And when he was finished, I, do you think it made sense? No, of course it didn't make sense. And then the next the day when he was asked point. about it, he just looked into the camera and went 999. Ridiculous. Which, well, of course it is. It's patently uh, ridiculous. You can't win a general but election. But how can that, no one say this guy is... This is, the, this is why they don't... On. But this is part of the problem, why, why they don't have any really good candidates with the Republican Party and why, you know, I can't believe I'm saying it. You know, these guys are making Sarah Palin look presidential. Oh. But, but uh, who's the governor of New Jersey again who bowed Chris out Christie. To, yeah, well, you know, no kidding. You know, what, 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 what the Republican Party has going for it right now, it doesn't have anything going for it. What it looks like right now is just, you know, a scene from, I see a young Mel Gibson surveying the Australian outback after the apocalypse. I mean, it's Mad Max out there right now with an emphasis on the mad. No candidate worth their salt should jump into this quagmire right now. Yes, step back for about four years, let the crazy play itself out, let the pendulum swing back, and then you can make, you know, what would be a reasonable presidential run. They're screwed right now. Oh. I mean, it, it, they might. They might opt for Romney. He's the most sensible of, of the bunch there, apparently. His name and is And he Mitt. has no chance right now because crazy is ruling the day but you know who i really feel sorry for the comedy writers out there yeah because at some point this gets so ridiculous that to make it more absurd and therefore funny the comedy sun <laughs> will supernova that's true and all comedy will cease to yeah. exist you can't satire this kind of reality you can't but brainwave just hit me now you know who ought to host saturday night live in the next few weeks is herman cain himself there you go <laughs> take the next and just let him talk let the monologue for the first time in the history of saturday night live last 90 minutes because herman cain do it friend of mine on Facebook posted this message yesterday, basically saying, want to let you know, in two days you won't be able to get a hold of me on Facebook. I'm deactivating my account. Here's my email address. He says, basically, had enough. Okay, I've had enough with the Facebook. And I'm, and I'm wondering, are you hearing any of the stories like that? I think you'll hear more? Because I've been considering it. I've been considering it for a few weeks now, and it's, it's not because it's too much of a hassle. It's not be, it's just I'm just a little tired. I'm just a little tired of always having to be plugged in all the time. Um, but but and then I started to realize there's another solution here. It's I could just be on it less. I think one of the things that, in general, is true, um, and specifically in regards to Facebook uh, and, and the internet, uh, um, is we trust way too much, and really shouldn't. Privacy is something that in this society is pretty much gone, and. I think it's dangerous. I, I think it's I think it's a good idea to get off of Facebook. I wonder how many people are going to decide. Apparently, in the next couple of weeks, there are going to be big changes again to Facebook, and everyone is going to have to 
um, rejig their privacy settings and mm -hmm. do it on a portion by portion basis, photos, messages, mm -hmm. videos, and things like that. Now, once it's done, apparently it'll be fine. And then going ahead, you'll have to keep doing that. But for someone like me, who's been on Facebook for a few years and ha I've loaded lots of photos and links and right. things like that, right. this is a bit of a hassle for me. And so I am thinking of deactivating and maybe just starting a new page did from hear, scratch. Did you hear, by the way, uh, of what's happened to Salman Rushdie on that? Yeah, well, they, did, they, they wouldn't allow him to be Salman for a while no. until he ridiculed them, get this, on Twitter. Yeah. And then they got the message, went, okay, you can go back. His po he, he tweeted, apparently, making me, because it, it's his second name, Salman. His that's first right. name I, is, I, I, I which can't I didn't remember. Know, Ahmed, I believe. Right, Ahmed. Yeah. He said, that's like saying J. Edgar Hoover ha would have to be known as John, John Hoover, or I think, was yeah. his first name John, I yeah. think. And uh, and so you got they got ridiculed well, and John Paul McCartney is it not? I think you're right. So yeah. then they decided, yeah, well, we, we have Paul to change this back. James John, Paul McCartney, whatever it is. But at any rate, this was a message that I saw from a friend, and I thought, isn't that something? I wonder if this is vanguard time. Is he going to be one of the first few? Is this all empires crumble at some point, Bill? Uh, I'm not saying this is Facebook's Napoleon moment, Napoleonic moment. But what if it is over the next few? Maybe this this whole change coming up in a few weeks is a big mistake, or is it? Oh, I think it's the route that they have to go, and I think it's a good thing too. I think if people start figuring out, yeah, you know, we have problems with identity theft. That's a big one, and yeah. it's one of those things. It's like smoking. People, kids who smoke, and eh, people get sick. Not me. You know, the fact of the matter is, um, until you're aware of these things, until you actually believe this stuff can happen to you you pretty much ignore it. And it's not just smoking and it's not just Facebook. We do that in everything. Yeah. You know, seatbelts is another great example. Yeah. I, I I think that it's a good sign that people are becoming vigilant about something like this. Well, I, you know, I'm not here to say that Facebook's going away. No, they're I, not. I don't think it is. It, it, but I wonder if the numbers will decay at all. Will more people... This is an older guy, too, who said he's getting off. And I, it, but I don't think that matters, do you? I mean, you might have said in the first place it wouldn't have been for him. Because he was older, he wouldn't have joined in the first place. Yeah. There, there was an interest there. No, and but there's a look. There are some good things about Facebook too, and those aren't going to go away either. Right. This is the gist of it. We've been saying it. Everyone's been saying it. There's a new sheriff in town when it comes to discipline at the NHL, and that's Brendan Shanahan. Not so long ago, a player, and uh, it, so far, mixed reviews on on what he's been able to. Uh, come out with in terms of suspensions or in the case we're going to discuss now. Oh, yeah, he was, he was Wyatt Earp at first. Now oh, he's yeah. Lobo. Well, putting his foot down, and that was before the season started. Yeah. And let's not get into that from a Columbus point of view because I'll tell you, if I was if I was Columbus Blue Jackets, I would be furious you with what, what Bill, happened there. You, you never have to say that to me. I will never get into anything from a Columbus point of view. Okay, fair <laughs> enough, fair enough. But the Milan Lucicet on Saturday night against uh, Ryan Miller, uh, if you haven't seen it, ran him and he ran him from a fair distance away and yeah Miller was well out of his crease pretty much in the face-off circle but no way he should have been hit the way he was and Miller right now is is out because of concussion there was a hearing Lucic did not get anything but a two-minute penalty that's wrong that way first of all the referee should have his head examined more than Ryan Miller five has and had a game. his examined mm -hmm. and, and so should Brendan Shanahan, what happened to you? Where's your sense gone to? You showed great sense for some time here. Now, to come out and, and decide that there shouldn't be a suspension on this, that there should be no supplemental discipline, and then to criticize the Buffalo Sabres because 
they had the temerity to say they they were upset by your non. Where did it go, Brendan Shanahan? How could you look at that? How could you see that? Whatever, what kind of conversations could you possibly have had with Milan Lucic that would lead you to believe, okay, this is all reasonable and we'll move ahead? Mm-hmm. It is a travesty. It's a joke of a decision on his part. In the NHL rule book, it says, and I'm quoting, a goalkeeper is not fair game just because he is outside the goal crease. And it goes on to say that supplemental discipline can be meted out beyond your two, your five, your game misconduct. Mm-hmm. Now, they had the hearing. Okay, they they realized that. They must have read the rule book. Beyond them just not dealing with this situation based on their own rule book bothers me enough. But just generally speaking, I'm in the camp of just because a goalie comes out and handles a puck doesn't make them like a forward. I think they should be treated like quarterbacks in the NFL and the CFL. Mm-hmm. I do. You can bump them a little bit incidentally, but you shouldn't be able to just go out and, and hammer away at them. It, the NHL is completely insane if they think that they can just have fair game on goaltenders. Oh, um, I don't. They say they don't. I mean, one of the things that came out of this, because there was also a general manager's meeting yesterday, uh, uh, this was a big topic at that meeting. Uh, Ray Shiro, I think, I came out. He's the general manager of the uh, Pittsburgh Penguins. And he said, hey, look, we like having guys come out of the net like that because it's exciting. Yeah. And it is. So, you you know, you've got to protect them when they're out. The, the, the thing that I think I get most upset with, not just with Shanahan, I think this is true of every NHL game. And we keep hearing, these are the best referees in the world. You can't get any better. I'll buy that. They sure are. But they're certainly inconsistent. There are plays that you see one thing happen, it gets called. You see the same thing happen, it's not called. I don't understand how that works. One of the arguments you always hear is, well, in the NFL, they always... There's discretionary stuff in all leagues. I get that. Of course. It has to be. I understand it, but... I think that one of the things that they, and I, to their credit, I do believe they try and find that consistency. But here's yeah. an instance where it was staring them in the face and they chose to look the other way. It, I, I think they dropped the ball here or the puck if you want. Big time. Glad, and you mentioned that they did have a general manager's meeting. And, I'm, and I am glad. I should give them credit for, for coming forward and saying, look, we're, you know, we're not going to change the rules. We don't need to. As I mentioned, they don't need to change the rules. Just enforce them. I'm glad to hear them mostly en masse. I think a good two-thirds of them, based on the reports I've been reading, were in favor of protecting goalies a little bit better and realizing that you just can't start body-checking the Ryan Millers of the NHL because they're hard to replace. Goaltending is the... Uh, the most difficult position position to replace the NHL. It's the most important position on any hockey team. Look what's going on with them right now. It is. It's the most important position on any hockey team. Everybody knows that. As a quarterback is the most important position player on a football team. They get protected to the hilt. Goaltenders should be afforded the same luxury. The same thing. We talk about the Leafs situation. When James Reimer was hurt in the game against the Montreal Canadiens, Ryan Gianta got nothing. And to a man, the Leafs even say, well, he didn't do anything. Look, he did. He hit the guy. Not allowed. End of story. However, that being said, the, the, the fact of the matter is, I mentioned Ray Shiro, and this is one of the big problems with this, Don, right. I think. Shiro said it's an exciting play. We don't want to take it out of the game. Okay, fine. I'll buy that. But I believe that Shiro's reaction would have been different if it was Marc-Andre Fleury who'd been hit. And that's part of the problem because you, it's very difficult for these guys to discuss these matters 
without some kind of bias. And, and that has to be taken into consideration. I heard someone say the other day, and I think this is probably bang on, that, when, and you would agree with this, the biggest change in the game happened the year there was no playing. And the reason then was nobody had any agenda. No one, no one was saying, you know, I got a big tough team. I can't have this. I, everybody was looking at the game right. as opposed to their situation in it. That doesn't happen anymore. Now everybody's sitting there thinking, I, if I can get a leg up by something, then I want to do it. And that's the stuff that keeps this league shooting itself in the foot. Brendan Shanahan, I've enjoyed your videos, the ones you release when you suspend somebody. I am now looking forward to and hopeful of getting videos with your explanations on why you haven't suspended somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe Apparently they're coming. Well, I hope so, because we needed one here. I know he's going to make the rounds, and you know, you'll know you see him quoted in newspapers, radio, TV, and that whole thing. But if you want to clarify just exactly what it is you didn't see or saw, didn't hear or heard in the Lucic-Miller affair, I'd love to know. And, and if I'm missing something, if I'm completely missing something, I'd be surprised in this instance. Um, but, you know... I'll man up on it and say, okay, now I get what he's talking about. But we went way too far from the you can't have a toe in the crease or there'll be no goal. I mean, that's fine. I got. I would prefer erring on that side, to tell you the truth. But we've just gotten so far away from protecting the goalies in any way, shape, or form that we got to a guy just flat out running a goaltender and mm-hmm. getting away with it the other night. So in what we can only describe as a discussion, a disturbing, not necessarily surprising development. Brian Burke is ticked at a member of the Toronto media. Oh no, the brows once again furrowed. You know what? Didn't your mom tell you, Brian, as a kid, you keep that face like that? It'll stay it's like that. F- I think it happened, froze. actually. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that's how he looks all the time. <laughs> um, but he's upset with Dave Festchuk of the Toronto Star, and it's because Dave had the temerity to discuss the health of James Reimer, the Leafs goaltender, with Mrs. Reimer, James's mom. And and a lot of people, including Brian Burke and Ron Wilson, believe that's just strictly off limits. Don't talk to his mom. I, I have one question. Sure. I, do you know the answer? Maybe you do. Did, did Festchuk ask James Reimer how he felt about that before he did it? I don't know that he could get to Reimer because I think Reimer is pretty much out of contact with everybody right now. But he's well. Then I, then I would say the leave Leafs. the mom alone. I, I would say leave the mom alone. If, if a step was taken there with the player, this is my own personal belief. How I would go about doing it, if I wanted to get some some extra insight, I think I would have talked to the player first. And then if he said, "Yeah, sure, you can talk to my parents about it," they'd be thrilled. Um, then I would go ahead and do it. I wouldn't just you know look her up phone her and say can you give me a concussion history of your son because they're not media savvy they're not they're not they're not trained in any way and hockey no, players get a no. little bit of training yep. and, and and they are you know they are memoed to death about what the the, well, the club the line is, is what to you keep can't it get quiet. absolutely so yeah so i i'd say that's uh you had a bit of a, a right to be upset by this thing i the question i have is i i, I know i've had this discussion with several other people in the media who believe oh, hey everything's off everything's on, on limits if, if you're going to oh, talk see, to somebody we got to get the story that's a problem it's not right you don't have to get this. No, story. this is this is a story. You know, if, if it's did the president okay break ins at the Watergate Hotel? Yeah, you got to do what you can mm-hmm. to get that story. If if this is how's that goalie's noggin? No, you don't have to do everything in your power to well, get that story. Well, but the argument with that though is that there should be full disclosure on all, on all of this stuff, which of course is a different discussion. Right. The Leafs are 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 partly responsible here because they don't 
give you any sense of, or at least you don't get a sense from what they're telling you that they're telling you the whole story. They may be telling you the whole story. They may, in fact, not know right. how Reimer is. And, and certainly with concussions, you never do know. But we can take, for example, the fact that someone has a, uh, a lower body injury and they won't discuss whether it's a groin, a knee, a toe, or whatever, yeah. that they're probably, if not hiding something here, they're not giving you full disclosure. Right. And that's something that they have to deal with. Well, right, you know, beyond this, I just don't even care that much. Like, it's not a story where I would just care enough to get more information from the mom about the guy's concussion. And, and again, that's another issue. It's just how much is too much. Sometimes I just get overloaded. I just want to watch the hockey game, and mm. I want to know. I do want to know if the goalie's going to play or if he's not. But beyond that, you know, I got to tweet something. I got to blog something. I got to print this. Oh, I got to say this. Story gotta, every oh, day. more and more every and more day. and more. This is. I draw my line at my interest in the Toronto Maple Leafs long before what James Reimer's mom has to say about his history of concussions. No offense, Mrs. Reimer. Uh, that's a really good point. But but the other point you make is is I think just as important and just as interesting. And that is when you have four Toronto newspapers. Two of them are, are, of course, national, but they're also based in Toronto. You have two all-sports television stations. You have two all-sports radio stations. And you have everything else uh, that has an interest in the Leafs because of how high their profile is in the city. And all of them looking for different angles. You end up with a a, a sameness of stories. I mean, I I can tell you, you know that... Whatever the storyline is on a particular day, like going into this last game, well, they're only getting scoring from one line. What's what are we going to do about the second line? And then you go from paper to paper to paper to paper, to station to station to station to station. To tell all of them. Right. It's all the same narrative. Yeah. This did uh, give us a little bit of a break from that. Maybe going out of the box was the problem for for Feshek. I don't know. Well, and again, not everyone will agree with that. For many. It's fine. You got a story. Me, leave mom alone. Leave mom alone. Well, we sure got into a lot of topics today. Some of them we even discussed intelligently. It was unavoidable. (laughs) (laughs) Mistakes happen. (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, Ryan Miller and Milan Lucic. Brandon Shanahan, who needs to speak up on every decision, deleting your Facebook account, and the wonders of Herman Cain. And let's face it, there's a whole lot to wonder about there. (laughs) (laughs) How that goes. Or maybe you don't. I don't know. Uh, Or as Don would like to say, hey, you, you, get off of my park. I'm not Mick Jagger, and I apologize for it. Hey, if you have some comments, please try and be polite. Uh, you can do that anytime at donlandry.com. I'll have my website up. I promised it a couple weeks ago, and it will be up soon. So until the next time, for Don Landry, I'm Bill Hayes, and that is The Gist of It. The Gist of It is available every Wednesday afternoon through iTunes or at donlandry.com. Mm-hmm.